if you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 34. Deuteronomy chapter number 34. I want to look here for just a little while in this scripture. I want to read a verse here and then I want to jump back to Deuteronomy chapter number 31. And, uh, and I want to preach to you hope for a coming generation. Hope for a coming generation. And uh, I want to think about the, the end of the life of Moses and the entry of Joshua into the ministry to the children of Israel. And um, I, I assure you that when I refer to Joshua, I'm not referring to myself. I'm referring to Joshua, the son of Nun, not the son of Roger uh, and Shannon. And so I'm referring to Joshua, the son of Nun, when we're talking about this Joshua. So uh, anyway, um, excited about this and just want to look in chapter number 34. I want to look in verse number 9. And we'll read this verse, and then I want to jump back to, to Deuteronomy 31, and we'll be done with our reading. Uh, but the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, chapter number 9, the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, let's jump back to Deuteronomy chapter number 31. Bible says in Deuteronomy 31, verse number 1 and 2, And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am a hundred and twenty years old this day. I can no more, no more go out and come in. And the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Verse, uh, so verse number 1, verse number 2. And then I will look, and we're going to skip a little bit, down at verse number 16. In Deuteronomy 31, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the lands of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for another day. We thank you for another opportunity to gather in, uh, together in your house. I pray, God, that you would fill us with your spirit. God, I pray that you would take your truth and just apply it to our heart. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. I pray, God, that you would take this word and enlighten it in our hearts and our lives. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are at a point and a position in time in the history of Israel where we are finding the first true changing of the guard, if you will. The first true changing of the guard from the leadership and the guidance of Moses to Joshua. And you will find here that this is uh, really the last time that you'll find the change of the guard that goes smoothly and goes as God would intend. Because as we preached from Judges uh, last time we were together, you find in, when you enter into Judges, you enter, enter into the books of the kings, you go through uh, the, the prophetical books that there was chaos. The children of Israel, had, had their identity was forever changing. It was constantly changing. Their, their, their position as, as a kingdom, their position um, in, in standing with God uh, was forever changing. You find through Judges that they were up and down. They were uh, left and right. They were doing this and doing that. 
that, I believe verse number 17 here is, and we'll look at that in a few moments, it's, one, it's the best commentary on the book of Judges and really the best commentary on Israel you will find. We'll look at that in a few moments. But, um, but I do believe that in this time we see the, the, the very swift, very uh, uh, good, very uh, prayerful changing of the guard from Moses over to Joshua. And so you find Moses was, uh, was, had been essentially the pastor to, to Israel for all these years. Um, he was uh, the man that God used to redeem and get them out of Egypt, and they followed him even though that they complained and even though they griped, they followed him uh, for many years. I believe that they had faith uh, in Moses that he would do what is right. And so as Moses is getting older, as Moses is getting ready to pass on, it was important that the next person that would come in, the next person that would uh, come along would be somebody that was an honorable person. That, so It would be somebody that was a, a godly person, someone that, that the people of Israel enjoyed someone that the people of Israel would follow. And so that's, uh, here comes Joshua. And so I, I want to think first, and this is something I never really thought about and, and never really looked at. I like Deuteronomy. I really like it. It's one of my favorite books to the, the, of Moses' books. And, uh, but, I, but I was reading this and thinking about this, and I was thinking about what was coming about, what come about that caused God to need to rise up someone that would lead Israel faithfully. You'll find Joshua, uh, he was a faithful man, he was a godly man, and you find that while Israel followed Joshua, they served him. Even the generation after Joshua, uh, it was a generation after that still con continued to follow and serve God. And so what was happening here is Moses is essentially, uh, he, he's going into his retirement, and his retirement was an eternity with the Lord in heaven, and he is, he's ready to, his life's coming to an end, and I, I, th I think we find some honorable things about Moses, but I want to think about the correlation of what was going on here in Israel and what we see in our world today. Now, I know that I know the ones of you that have children, the ones that have grandchildren, uh, if you don't have children, you've got somebody that you care about, somebody that you love, that you want to see that's growing up and coming up in the next generation. You want to see them blessed and you want to see uh, them have successful lives. And I think about uh, my little baby and wanting that little baby to have a good, successful life. I've told Shelby that uh, I, I just want to see them grow up and be happy. My, my flesh would want to see see a, uh, you know, another little, little preacher to come out of our, our family, but if not, uh, hopefully not a deacon. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's the preacher and the preacher's family. That's the rough ones. But, uh, but anyway, I, I want to see, I, I don't care if they're a preacher, I don't care if they're a deacon or a song leader, I just want to see them be faithful to God. I don't, they don't have to have any position, they don't have to have any name, they don't have to think that I'm anything, but I want to see them be faithful to Almighty God. That's my goal, that's my purpose for this child, and that's why God, God blessed me with them. I want to give that child back to him and say, Lord, you just do whatever. Do whatever. Yeah, it's, it, it's yours to begin with. It's just something you've chosen to let me be a part of, and I want you to use them. I, and, and so all the ambitions and all the things that my flesh would want or like for them, uh, that doesn't mean anything. It's what God has in his plan, his purpose. But I believe that we are, uh, we're coming up on a, on a generation, the generation my ch children will grow up, the generation your grandchildren's growing up in, that if we don't set in our heart today that we are going to serve God, we're going to live God, what are we passing down to them? What are they going to see? What's the, what, what are they going to grow up with? I'm afraid that, that, that these kids growing up today, uh, they, and I know I was just talking about having health problems and health issues, but I, when I was growing up, I worked outside. I uh, still work outside. 
God. Not, I don't, we don't work to the extent like we used to, but it was something that was instilled in me that when you get up on a Saturday morning, you don't spend all day just sitting around the house. You get out there and you work. Well, I, I went to school Monday through Friday. I, I didn't realize Daddy worked Monday through Friday and Mom worked Monday through Friday, but Saturday was an important day that we got outside and we worked around the farm and we worked on the land and in the heat and the sweat. And, and I have such a deep relationship with my family and my grandparents because of that. And I'm afraid that there's a generation coming along that parents don't spend time with their children. They don't, they don't take them outside to go fishing and take them outside to go camping and take them outside to go work. And, and the children don't appreciate it then, but when you get older, you do. I'm afraid that there's parents that don't take time to whip their children. You say, well, you got that little baby coming. How could you ever imagine uh, whipping that little? I, I can't. I can't. I, I, I don't. I couldn't imagine whipping a little baby, but I'm telling you what, the way I see about two, three, four, five years old, kids start to act. I ain't got no problem with it. It's something that's that, that when you, you get a little older, that, that little puppy that I got that we got just not too long ago, when it was just little and we held it and it could fit in your hand, I couldn't imagine ever being frustrated or mad at that little dog. But I'm telling you what, just yesterday, I had that little dog on the floor wearing his hind end out because he's not going to act a certain way in my home. He's not going to do something that, that I'm not going to approve of. I'm trying to help him. I feed him. He gets to sit at home all day while I go out and work. What do you think I'm going to what do you think I'm going to do when he acts up? It's part of this this generational decline. Parents don't care. They don't want to discipline their children. They want to be friends. The best statement I ever heard and I found it to be true is your your uh, and it may have even been preacher Davis that made this statement one time. But it, but the statement was don't be your kids friends when they're young. There's time for that later. I found that to be true. I've been able to be uh, close friends with, uh, not friends, but, you know, close with my parents now. I've gotten older, and they, they you know, they, they're, they've done what they can. <laughs> All I'm doing now is on my own. My mistakes are on my own. And, and now I see a deep relationship with them that I cherish and I love. But it was those days when I was a kid that they didn't just come along and be my friend. They didn't just come along and, 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 and just grab a hold of me and just everything's all right and everything you do is okay and, every, you know, all these They, at times, when I needed it, they chastised me and they taught me right from wrong. And here we are in this changing of the guard. Older, godly people are passing along. Older, godly people are going, you know, they're, they're homebound. They're not involved in the church like they used to be. Older, godly people aren't in leadership anymore. You got people like me, young whippersnappers, coming in and pastoring churches and preaching and doing these things. It's a scary time because what is the next generation going to look like? What's the next generation going to see? And I can't imagine. Uh, I was just reading, y'all, I think you know I love Civil War history. And I was reading my favorite Civil War character, Stonewall Jackson. I was reading about his life. And I think about he, a statement he made is that he didn't believe he would see the end of the war. He thought he would die. Even though he was known to be fearless in battle, even though he was known to stand in, in, in the midst of, of bombs and bullets and, and anything else, he didn't believe he would see the end of the war. And he died before the, before the end ever came. He never got to see what would come of, of the future. Now, what came was not exactly what I guess he wanted. But, you know, in our, gener in our day, there's some of us that we won't see the, the next uh, crossing over the Jordan. We won't see this crossing this next ob obstacle. Doesn't it concern us and doesn't it worry us what those that will still be here will have to, pa have to see, what they will have to face? So as we're in this changing of the guard, we've got some of these godly uh, people passing away. And I want to look here in Deuteronomy 31, 1 and 2. I, I promise you there's a point to this whole thing. It says, And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel, 
And he said unto them, I am a hundred year and twenty years old this day. I can, I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. What we're facing, we're raising a generation right now, and what uh, Israel was raising at that time is they're uh, raising a generation challenged by changing leaders. They're challenged by changing leaders. Moses knew that his life was coming to an end. And I I mean, it's just natural. I've had to, as I've learned and grown up, I've had to see that naturally we all, we all come to an end. We all die, and that's what happens. There's a changing of leadership. There, the men that were standing for years and years and years and stood strong as leaders in the church, they're passing along. They're, they're dying. They're going away. Some of the, some of the godly men that I've, I've revered in my life, I, I've not faced a lot of loss of mentors I've had, but then again, I've not been around too long, but I'm starting to see men that I respect and I regard getting uh, to that point in time in their life where they are slowing down. They're not got the, the same opportunity to get out and go and do as they used to. Some of them are passing on. Some of them are, are, are going on to the uh, eternal uh, home in heaven with the Lord. And so uh, you do see that changing of the guard in the pulpit, um, but also there are godly people that I know. I guess the people I've lost more in my life is godly prayer warriors and and good godly women that have sat in uh, church pews and prayed for, for church and, and, and just burdened over God's work in his house. And I'm afraid that, that we are seeing a generation come along that doesn't have any regard uh, for prayer, doesn't have any regard for time with the Lord. And so what they bring to church isn't, isn't worth anything because what they do at home isn't worth anything. And I'm afraid that as our prayer warriors are passing along, as these leaders are changing, those that will not cross this next Jordan, I'm afraid that there are shallow faith in these lives. It's concerning. Think about what Moses was thinking about. He had served and lived on this earth for many, many years. I mean, for, for uh, you know, at least uh, 80 years of his life, he had been uh, uh, serving the children of Israel. And so you see and you think about Moses, what was he thinking? He's thinking, here, here I'm going along. Here I'm passing on. I won't be able to cross this next Jordan. I won't get into the land that God promised us. I won't be able to go uh, along. That's a concerning thing. And we are raising a generation that's challenged by changing leaders. I'm afraid there are people getting behind pulpits and they're filling pews and are taking up offerings and singing that don't have the same intentions in their heart that the good people of, of days gone by have had. I, I think about when I was a kid, the revivals and things that I was in, and I think about the touch of God that I've seen, and I think about how dry things have seemed to have been for years gone by. It doesn't mean that there's not good people. It doesn't mean that there's not godly preachers. It doesn't mean that there's not prayer warriors out there, but I'm afraid that the ranks are dwindling. They're getting lower they're getting smaller i'm not trying to be depressing this morning i'm not trying to make us uh, look back and be sad on, on on what's going on in our church uh, and day to day and uh, what we see from sunday to sunday but i am saying that that if we don't get a hold of god to, to take this next generation and instill into their heart truth and happiness and, and and content and spiritual relationship to the lord i'm afraid that we may lose them to the the the, the beguilement and the devices of satan i'm afraid that if we can't get a hold of the lord and ask him to move in a, in a specific way and get the right people in leadership positions in church that truly care about people that don't want just a paycheck, that don't want just a parsonage, that don't just uh, want something to benefit themselves. If we don't get a hold of God and ask him for godly leaders, I'm afraid that the next generation won't have anyone to lead when times get like they are right now. I'm not saying that I'm any kind of leader. I'm not saying that I'm any kind of anything. I'm telling you what, if these next leaders with preachers, we need to look for true calling of the Lord. I'm afraid there's too many people that get behind pulpits that have no business being there. 
I'm afraid that there are too many people that, that, that lead or do or sing or do this or that, and the only, only purpose they have in their heart is to gain for themselves. I'm afraid that there are people that take even this time and take advantage of church. They'll get people scared to death, get people in a corner. Look at what's all happening, like they have the answer. How many cults have been started <laughs> out of things like this? How many cra crazy things have, have come up and come out of the church? How many splits and denominations have come just because of something like this in the world? This isn't uh, something that's exactly new. Yes, this is a little different in our times. It's different than what we've seen before. But there's been crisis in the, in the world that because of leaders that were not good people, there's been insane, unimaginable things come out of the church. And so Moses is... He's, he's leaving a generation. That changing of the guard, that, that, that changing leader, that's what our church is dealing with right now. People are passing on. Let's go on to Deuteronomy 31, verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. That's confirmation again. The leadership's changing. And this people will rise up and go a-whoring. We are facing, and Moses had, <laughs> was leaving a generation challenged by carnal pursuit. Challenged by carnal pursuit. It is, today it is, you do what you do. You do whatever you want. And, and I'm afraid that the emphasis from parents to children is, as you come up, whatever you want to chase, you chase it and I'll chase it with you. I, I grew up and, and I'm, like my dad, he never played sports. He didn't, they didn't have that opportunity to play sports. My mom played sports. So when it comes along, I mean, I, I always wanted to play sports. I always wanted to play football. That was my thing. Is I was always a little bigger than other people, and I thought, hey, I'll play football. I'll be good at it. I grew up on a farm. I'm, I'm like the ultimate candidate to do that. But I remember playing ball, and the emphasis was, Church still comes first. God still comes first. You play football, you still focus on church, you still focus on the Lord, and that's just a side part of, of your life. I remember the emphasis in my mind of if you're going to do this, if you're going to play football, if you're going to play sports, if you're going to be involved in anything, God still comes first. The Lord still comes first. And I'm afraid that we've got parents that, that, that work week to week and go uh, day to day and they run and they run and they run and they do everything they do just to buy things for themselves and just to build themselves up and just to get what they can get. and They, they take their money and their kids start to get on their nerves and so they start spending their money on their kids and giving their kids all these things. And it's just this carnal pursuit for what the world has to offer. I, and I've said it a hundred times. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having things. I believe God wants us to enjoy uh, this this creation that He's 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 uh, given us, and I believe God wants us to enjoy it. Uh, there was a we saw a boat on the road. Now it may be wrong on a Sunday to think this, but I thought, man, I'd love to be out on the lake one day. I, I, maybe not today. Uh, maybe tomorrow. Maybe Saturday. Maybe another day. Uh, but I would. I just love that. I love being out on the boat. I love being camping. We was driving yesterday. We drove up to uh, with my brother to get a get a truck. Uh, we drove down to Andrews and we were riding uh, through the Nantahala Gorge and I thought man that water I'd love to be down there fishing uh, there's things in this life that I enjoy there's things that I love there's things that I know you love but I know that in these things in my life that if I let them drive me and if I let them pull me to push me with everything I do they will destroy me or they will captivate me so long that I can't focus on anything else 
And it's scary to see these children. And you take uh, even uh, just a, a device, an iPad or an iPhone or a computer or whatever it may be. I've got three devices up here just doing what I'm doing right now uh, to record and to have my notes and got my phone. And, and hey, the, but it's what you make out of it. The things that you have in your life, is if you choose to pursue them, if you choose to chase them, it's going to be uh, your death or it's going to be a benefit to you. I, I love the things on, uh, I just downloaded a new application on my computer uh, to uh, to be able to study the Bible and there's so many links and so many things that I, I have so much library put into this one thing. It is amazing that the mind of, of a man can take uh, all these books and put them into one little computer and for $59.99 you can have 5,000 different books. You can have uh, the you can have your Bible there and you got your book here and you got this here and you, you can take notes here and you can highlight this and do that. But I, on the other side of the spectrum, well, you can take a computer and the mind of a man can corrupt uh, the mind of someone by the things that he, he puts out there and the things you can find on the Internet, the types of things you can watch and do on a computer. You've got to be careful. I'm not, and, and, and I remember I, I remember the older the old timers that I know talking about the preacher's preaching against the TV um, and, and how that they were just so so dead set you don't that's just so ungodly and uh and i i you know I'm, i don't believe that way i, I don't personally think that way uh but i they were on to one thing is that it, it's definitely something carnal that if you want to pursue it and chase it and let it consume your life you can so here's moses he's being warned that hey these people they're gonna go out whoring they're gonna go out sell, selling themselves out to the things of the world that's what's gonna happen does this not even greater bring the need for godly leadership the promise of hey these <laughs> these people they're going to chase things of the world they followed you around they've chased you around they're going their hearts are going to be after something other than me that's what god was saying to moses are we not facing that today my goodness oh here's something here i'm chasing it i'm after it we're on we're doing good for the lord i'm on i'm on track and then We've got to take a little detour because I'm distracted by something. I'm guilty of it. We all are. But I think spiritually within, I do feel that pull back. It's like you get to that point where it's like you think of a dog on a chain. <laughs> you ever seen a dog on a chain? And I hate seeing that, but you see a dog on a chain and they'll run and they'll almost choke themselves to death when they get to the end of that chain. In our Christian life, it feels like I start chasing things in the world and get distracted and I get to a point where it just stops. I can only go so far. I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? But these, these young kids, I was saved when I was seven years old. I had, that, I had that true biblical foundation in my life at that age. There are kids these days, and you take the Bible Belt, you take the South, you take, when I was a kid, even the worst kids I went to school with went to the church down the street. I mean, that was not that long ago. Even the, the, the falling away as far as church attendance in the past 15 years is beyond what we can comprehend. They had that opportunity. If you're still living like hell and you're 15, you'd been to church since you was born. It's like these days, the, the purpose and, the, and the, the motive of the parents to get up on, well, Sunday, we, you know, I just, I just love Sunday. I love that day off. You know, we gotta, I got to have that day off. That's the day I mow my yard. Saturday's my day I do this. So, so I, I can't, I, you know, I go to the grocery store on Saturday. I can't go to church on Monday, on Sunday. Or these church people down the street live like the world. I have no reason to be there. That's a hard one to, to defend. That's a hard one to fight. Doesn't change that people should be going to church, but the, the church is 
literally identified itself with the world in so many ways that it's not a surprise. But these children, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, some many of them hadn't even been to church. It wasn't an option. Nine months before I was born, like our baby, I was in church. It, the lack of Christian homes in these young people's lives, I'm afraid that's going to be the downfall of them, that 15 and 20 they may be good people. They may be moral people. I know lost people that live a life straighter morally than some Christians I know, and that's hard, That's sad to say. I know lost people that live better lives than Christ, some Christian people. It makes you want to quit, quit, question the Christian people's relationship, but 15, 16, 17-year-old kids haven't, haven't ever been to church, didn't have that foundation. It's with football, with me, I had that foundation with, with church, I knew that it was not something that I, I didn't put church over. I didn't put church under football. And I got to that point, the end of my rope, that I was like, oh, yep, that's it. Sports, it's not going to be me. I can't do it. It was getting to a point where it was demanding too much. It was needing too much. It was needing too much attention. And, hey, it's not that problem for everybody else. I, it, just specifically, that was something in my life that, that was an issue. But I'm afraid that these kids, they're getting to that age and they are starting to chase these things. And the devil knows if he can instill in them, you just chase this passion in your life, you just chase this desire in your life, or if you just sit there and scroll on a phone for 10 hours a day, he's got their attention. They don't have that foundation. They don't have that rope on them that's going to eventually stop and they realize, oh my goodness, they're not going to get in that pig pen like that prodigal son and realize that they have gone too far. They didn't have a foundation to begin with. We're challenged by this carnal pursuit. And Moses, it was promised that, to him that, they, that these children of Israel would. But next, look what it says here. What are they whoring after? What are they chasing? What are they doing? Go whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. We're facing a generation, and Moses was leaving a generation, challenged by cultural identity. The lines, the, I mean, and you hear the Bible Belt. I, I'm, I've always, three things I've always known about where I grew up. Four things. First, I grew up in America. Second, grew up in the South. Third, I grew up in North Carolina. And fourth, I grew up in the Bible Belt. Those are four things that I know from birth that, that I just, that's naturally where I grew up. Five, I grew up in the mountains. You, you know, we're different than the rest of North Carolina. Like, them, like the rest of them, but we're just different. Those are things I've known about where I grew up. The lines of our country have been blurred by so many different things. America looks different. America changes. It's, it is a, a living, breathing thing that does change and looks different. America looks different than it did when I was a kid. Our state looks different than it did when I was a kid. The mountains are different than they were when I was a kid. I can't imagine going back any farther. But the, the thought of the Bible Belt, those lines have never been more hard to find than we've ever seen. We live in the Bible Belt, people say, but, I mean, there, there's been a, a falling away. Like I said, I, I, I hear stories and think about my, stories my great-grandfather would tell them. I, I've, heard, I've only heard through my dad, but think about 
how even the even lost people in the community knew on Sunday you just kind of just kind of took it easy a little bit. You know, you don't you don't go out raising cane and tearing stuff up on Sunday because that was the Lord's day. People would drive by the church that used to be, you know, they'd blare their loud music and whatever music it was. They could just by, drive by the church. You'd, they could turn the music down until they got past the church. Just out of some sense of respect, out of some sense of mindset. I'm not saying music's all bad. I'm just saying that that was just a, the, the way things kind of were. Even people that were lost people and didn't seem to have much guidance or didn't seem to have much focus in their life. Still, you'd hear them talk about the good book. They might not be exactly right on what, well, the book, good book says this. They might not be exactly right about what they're saying, but the thing is they knew and it was instilled in their mind that there was something out there guiding our life. A cultural identity in our country today is, is harder to find than ever. We do, uh, we've always lived in a melting pot mixed up with all kinds of cultures and this and that and the other, and some ways it's good, some ways it's bad, but spiritually, our cultural identity right now, is, it's hard to find. Where do we stand as a country? Well, half the Christians say, well, things keep getting worse. So I don't know if the other half of the Christian people are doing anything about it. Are they praying? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? The other Christians don't even realize that there's a falling away. Finding that cultural identity will be the key for tomorrow. The, the day that we settle in our hearts and settle in our, in our lives, not for us, not for our happiness, not for anything, but for our children, for the generation to come, the day we set in our hearts. I want them to look at me and say, Mama, Daddy, Grandma, Grandpa, Uncle, Aunt, so-and-so, they were a Christian person. They were a godly person. That's how we regain the cultural identity. Because the way, the, the, and the biggest problem with that is living at home different than the way we, we are in church. I went home with some people one time. I didn't go, I didn't like being at anybody else's house. Everybody always came to my house. I never liked to be in anybody else's house. I just liked being at my house. I liked people to come visit me. People liked to come visit me. They'd come and just talk to my parents the whole time. But, but I think about this one family I went home with one day. And I remember the way that that kid talked to his parents. And I thought, yeah. Roger Boyd, he, he's got a remedy for that. <laughs> thought about my dad and I thought about my, my mom and the way that anybody in my family would handle that. I thought about the way that the parents, I saw them talk to one another about that situation. I'd never, I'd heard, I'd never heard my parents argue once in my life till I was like 16. And they got into a little, you know, a little, little fussing about something. And I was scared to death. I thought, oh my gosh, our family is going to be in court next week, and we're going to. Have, I thought it was the end of the world. I'm not kidding. I thought somebody was going to die, somebody was going to get divorced, or the the world was going to fall in. My parents never let me see that. I I never I never realized it happened. I was blown away by what I saw with this family, because even and you can ask Shelby. You come to a Boyd family meeting. And you, you'll, you'll get a conversation. You'll get an hour and a half long conversation. It's like hearing me preach. You'll hear nothing but, you know, this and that for, for an hour and a half. But there was always love. It always ended in love. And I was at these people's house, and the way they were talking, to, the parents were talking to one another, the way the kid was talking to the parents, the way the parents were talking to the kid, it just blew my mind. Then they go to church. We get back to church that night, and I, I made a beeline for my mama's pew 
I was like, I ain't sitting with these heathens. I ain't doing it. <laughs> Weeks went by, and I remember dad, that dad from that family getting up and testifying, boo-hooing, oh, Lord, God's done this in my And I thought, you are a, you're a liar. You acted like the world all last Sunday. You acted like the world, and you're in here acting like God's doing all this for you. I was probably 12, 13 years old, but I knew the difference. And my parents haven't always been perfect, but I knew I didn't see that kind of stuff at home. I didn't hear that kind of language at home. I didn't. And my goodness, if you're going to talk like that, don't do it in front of some kid from your church. And then mama. Mama's teaching Sunday school class now. There ain't no way in the world I'm going to that Sunday school class. Act like that. But she had deceived, they had deceived everybody in that church into thinking this and thinking that. And that is exactly what's lost the cultural identity spiritually for us in our country, in our churches, in our homes, is because we live different at home than we do at church. That's the thing. We're chasing these stranger, the strangers of the land. We're chasing that strange woman. That chase, that, oh, she's so attractive. She's so this, she's so that, as we preached about midweek. What are we chasing after? Chasing after these, these strange things. That cultural identity cannot be won by, back by anything besides living the same that you are at home as you are at church. I used to think my papa Jake was a little bit rough, a little bit tough. One thing I've respected so much about my, my grandfather is that the way that he walks and talks, he just, he lives it. If he says something, he does it. It's one thing I've come to respect about my, my dad. Men in my life that have affected me and made me stronger, I look at my dad, and if he says something to you, he does it. And if he doesn't, he'll let you know, and he'll find another way. I think about my other grandfather, and I used to, I used to think that, that he was, I didn't, I, he'd come home from work, and I'd be like, oh, no, here's Papa. Here's Papa. He's going to make me do something. He's going to take me outside and make me work. But you know what I've learned about him, his example in my life, is that when he says something, he gives you his word, he backs it up. I'm afraid that that's one of the biggest problems we've got in our church today is that we say things, we do things. How many people, and I'm guilty, how many people have you said, I'll pray for you, haven't done it? How many objects have been mentioned that you haven't made a mental note or a physical note and, and really remembered to pray for? I'm guilty of it sometimes. I've tried to challenge myself to, in my weekly study, to put those prayer requests at the top of my notes. Because if I can come up here and preach, and as a church you can bless me, surely to heavens I've got time to stop and pray. I'd probably be better off just praying and God, God would probably give me something better to share with you if I just pray. If I just walk the way I am at home, the, the same way I am at home, if I'd walk that way at home and live that way here at church, I think we could see that identity start to come back to, man, that Josh, he's the real deal. What I want people to say about me, not for my benefit or my growth, but I think about a situation, Shelby, uh, there's, a, there's a man we know, a preacher out in the community, and it's a, a member of Shelby's family. And I think about this member of her family, and he, he doesn't go to church. Family doesn't go to church. But he says about this one man, he's a preacher out in Candler, and he says about this one man that he believes that if anybody's a Christian, it's that man because of the way he's walked and he's lived in front of this family member of hers. That's the kind of testimony I want. 
I want people to think of me and say, man, he's hooked up. He's got the real stuff in his life. He's got, he lives what he preaches. That's cultural identity. I'm, I'm doing my best to, to hasten here. I, wanna, I want us to see that cultural identity come back, and that is by us living right, living holy, living the same at church as we do at home. But, but we see this generation that's challenged by cracked faith. Whither they go to be among them, this verse 16, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. God told Moses that Israel would turn against him, that we would do, do wrong. Unfortunately, we are raising up a generation that mama and dad have a cracked faith. Grandma and grandpa have cracked faith. What do you expect to come from the children? You're, what do you only do, and not everybody does, but most people live and act and breathe and do the way they're bred, the way they're raised, the way they're taught. I do. That's why, don't say amen, Shelby. <laughs> the men in my family, you find traits that are very similar, and I'm proud of that. Now, there's some downfalls, and I know in your family, there's things you're connected to and you're proud of that just the way you, your family are, you're, you're, you're proud of those things that, that, that build you up. But if you pass down, like I was talking about my grandfathers and my dad, those men in my life that have made those examples, I didn't, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I was a kid. My dad was real rough. My papa, Jake, he was a little rough. My papa, Glenn, he'd always try to make me work. But then when I get older and I see now, I think, man, I'm thankful for those times. I would give anything to have a day, just a day with any of them out, you know, working with my papaws when they were healthier. Papa Jake, he's still kicking. He doesn't he doesn't let anything slow him down. How I'd get what I'd give to spend just a day with my dad with what I know now and think, man, I kind of see what you're dealing with. I kinda, excuse me, sorry. I kind of see with what I kind of see what what was going on in your life. I'm not much I'm I'm his age when I was born. We're, we're the same age. He was 25, I'll be 25. Around the time our baby's born, and I think, holy cow, I need to shake your hand. Cracked faith wasn't passed down to me. I didn't understand it, and I, I mentioned those examples of my papaws and my dad and how before I realized what, what they were saying, before I realized what they were doing, but before I realized their intentions, I, I, I didn't understand why, oh, we got to, Papa Jake doesn't, he doesn't want to want us to do this, or he here he is. He's telling me this, or he's talking to me about that, or my dad here. He's lecturing me about this, or he. There's so much concern in the hearts of those men in my family. That's why they're doing it. I wouldn't pass down cracked faith. But I tell you what, if I let go, if I don't make sure that my 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 cultural my spiritual identity is right, if I don't make sure that my my pursuits are right, if I don't make sure that the leadership is right in my life and I'm leading correctly, I can pass down cracked faith. Moses was a good man, and yet Israel would have issues spiritually. My papaws, they're wonderful men. My dad, he's a wonderful man. But it it's my choice of what I pass down to the next generation. Let's look at Joshua in Deuteronomy 34.9 and we'll be done. 34.9, Deuteronomy 34.9. I want you to look at who God raised up 
to face these challenges. The type of man he raised up to face these challenges. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Look at what Joshua had as a leader. He had godly internal inheritance. He had something within him that was greater than, than, than physical strength. He had something greater than in him that was greater than, in, than any kind of influence. He, it was something greater in him than uh, beauty or anything. He had an internal inheritance that was wisdom. It was spiritual. The type of leaders that need to, be, that need to raise up so the next generation might not fall away. Those leaders need to be people that are full of the spirit of wisdom. Next, look at, look at this where it says, full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. He had godly eternal influence, external, or godly eternal influence. Moses was a mentor to him like we could never imagine. He was someone to him. He laid, the, Moses, the leader of Israel for all those years, laid his hands on the next leader of Israel. He blessed him. He was a mentor to him. This is where we have to challenge the young people to listen to these good leaders. These people that are still here. I, I, I hear my dad talk about his grandfather and how he, he just wants to go back and just be able to, to ask him questions or listen more or do things more. We all are going to have those regrets. But in my life, I think about the opportunity I've got today to be around good people. I need to take a hold of that. Moses, what a wealth of knowledge. What a well, what kind of experiences. Man was 120 years old. That's a long time. That's longer than anybody we've ever seen live. How much could he give to Joshua? How much knowledge could he give? Just the time. He could have been jealous of Joshua because here's Moses. He's about to cross over the Jordan and go into that, that lead to the children of Israel. He's fixing to take his position. But I believe with his age came true godly wisdom. Look at this. We'll be done. We've got two more little thoughts here. Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him. This leader that God brought up, Joshua, he was one that Israel wanted to follow. I tell you what, I'm afraid that there are too many people put into positions and put into leadership that there's only a small little group of people want to follow him. That's one thing that one man told me. is He said, anytime a church wants to take you as a pastor, he said, my, the best advice he said I'd give you is that I wouldn't take it unless it was 100%. God will work that, you know, if it was 99%, God will work the 1% out. But he said, I wouldn't take it unless 100% 100, 100 of people supported you. Israel hearkened to Joshua. All of Israel. Now, they would, some would fall away, some would fall out, some would chase these other strange things of the, of the world, but Israel hearkened to him. And then we see here, godly biblical direction. The Bible says that Israel, they hearkened unto Joshua and did as the Lord commanded Moses. They lived it. They backed it up. Let's be leaders. I know many of you are. May just be challenging myself. May be challenging somebody that may listen. But let's be leaders. Let's have godly biblical direction. Let's have godly social interaction with the right people. Let's have godly eternal influences in our life. And let's have godly internal inheritances. Let's be full of wisdom. Joshua was. And you find that through his life and his walk, you'll find that Israel followed him. You'll find that Israel followed God, more importantly. 
And you'll find that even the generation after Joshua served the Lord. The hope for, a ne- for the coming generation is that the people living now will get a hold of God and settle in our hearts that we're going to serve Him. Does anyone have anything?